Welcome to Insights. This is Paul Ellis, Managing Director of Ellis Wealth Management, where we encourage you to invest in what you love. Ellis Wealth Management is an independent financial services firm focused on planning, advice, coaching, and investment management. We are dedicated to the families we serve, and we encourage you to invest in what you love. Within Insights, we look at ways to make our world richer through focusing on sharing, and developing human capital. Well, all right. What a great day it is in the Pacific Northwest. What a terrific day it is. It's cooler than it was uh, earlier in the summer at 100 degrees. It's uh, much, much less today and much, much appreciated, actually. <laughs> today, I'm really blessed. We have with us Howard Frazier. Howard Frazier is with Longboard Asset Management. He's an experienced executive in, in the world of asset management. Uh, he's a passion for the magic of compounding. Uh, he's fascinated by its power to transform health, wealth, and happiness. He's experienced in sales, marketing, recruiting, training, and, and uh, management. He grew up in London and now lives in Scottsdale. So an Englishman is living in Scottsdale, Arizona. Howard, how are you today? I'm doing great. Uh, thank you, Paul. It, it's, it's great to be here. And, of course, Sting did create that famous song, An Englishman in New York, and uh, maybe he needs to think about another one, An Englishman in Scottsdale. <laughs> well, you and I have a, a kinship. My mother uh, was born outside of London, and you, you and I have yeah. had some good conversations about that. Yeah, I, I, I believe uh, maybe uh, we just share a different accent. That's, that's just one of the differences. <laughs> well, the first time I met you when we were uh, finishing our conversation, I, I said, do you mind if I tell my mom that uh, that I spoke with a, a countryman, you know, <laughs> <laughs> which I did, which I did. She, which, her response was, oh, lovely. <laughs> well, listen, uh, if you would, share a little bit about what you do at Longboard Asset Management and then what influenced you to get into this field. Yeah, absolutely. Well, at, at Longboard, uh, we, we kind of started on this belief that investing is hard and it's hard uh, for the mind, it's hard for the emotions and um, it's hard because, uh, you know, you go and invest your money, it starts to fluctuate up and down and it's not very uh, pleasant when it goes down, but it's also part of the, the you know, the beauty of being able to invest and compound for uh, our, our old age. So, uh, we try to uh, develop solutions that help uh, reduce some of that pain um, through, you know, intelligent design and uh, some of the pain that uh, down periods in the stock market can cause or bear markets as they're known or um, some of the challenges that a low interest rate environment have also caused of not getting any yield on your savings. These are all very difficult challenges that, you know, people have to deal with. And so we we try we try to bring our solutions to those. Well, that's 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 great. Now, do you have a a memory? Uh, did have you always been interested in compounding and finance, or 
Uh, did you did you find your way uh, in it by accident? Um, how did how did you get into this field? There's one very early memory that sticks out to me, which is that my dad was passionate about compounding. He was a you know had a frugal mindset and a very pragmatic mindset, and he used to invest in mutual funds. And as part of his research process, he would get the Financial Times delivered every week, uh, which was very noticeable because it was, of course, a different color than every other newspaper. Mm-hmm. It was in this uh, you know, pinky peach uh, kind of uh, uh, paper. And for some reason, that stood out to me. And, and as, uh, as you know, kids are very often curious about everything. And I was curious about this. And I just started to read it. And that was definitely the first seed I can remember being planted that from then on, my dad, you know, continued to water by, you know, uh, showing me what, what he would invest in and, and why and uh, opening that up. Well, that's great. That's great. So when did you know? <laughs> when did I know? It's uh, a good question. It somewhere around, 15 or 16, I started to do research myself and, and uh, you know, wanted to get involved. It, it was clearly something I enjoyed doing. I think I, I really knew um, probably when I was about 19 or 20 and I really had, had already spent some time in my first professional job and some time in my career. And I just, I just uh, had noticed that you know, a lot of the people I was dealing with uh, worked in the business and, and worked at asset management companies. And I really sort of took that as a sign that, um, uh, you know, I really should be doing what they're doing. Like these are some people who have followed their, their passion of working in finance. And there really was no, no reason why I couldn't do the same, even though that I, I'd initially gone into real estate. So you originally got into real estate? Yes. Oh, what did you, what were you doing in real estate? Well, I I joined a wonderful boutique firm that operated in Northwest London, selling high end luxury residential uh, real estate. And you know, fancy way of saying I was a realtor. <laughs> um, uh, I was I, I joined a firm of realtors, and they'd been in business for about twenty five thirty years. They built up a very solid brand for their niche that they operated in and I got to learn a great deal working at their company starting by uh, doing all the jobs that no one wanted to do of uh, getting the you know, you know, copies made and getting the owner his coffee or, or hot water and lemon and, um, and I got exposure to how business really got, got done how they operated the business, how they treated people, mm. uh, and, and, and help, helped them uh, find houses and sell houses. You know, that's interesting. One of the um, – we live in a time where people want to get to the top right away, right? Um, yes. You know, and, uh, and, and I, don't, I don't blame the desire. And, uh, you know, I work and mentor from time to time students at the at university level. And one of the things I would share with them is it's important to know how the paperwork flow goes. It's important to know 
you know, some of these things that are not the most revered or uh, maybe sexy or or uh, flashy, but having a good understanding of these other areas will definitely build a real strong foundation in the rest of your practice. Would you agree with that? Uh, it's absolutely. Uh, I would absolutely agree with that. And, and and because it's you know it's hard to build a house if you haven't seen one be built before. And uh, I would say that I, being being a you know millennial myself, I had that same instant gratification curse that you kind of get dealt with being born in this, into this generation. Some of it's you know not your own fault because you're just you're, you're with a lot of uh, you're able to get a lot of stuff on demand very instantly. Uh, you know the Amazon generation and and the, the phone generation. And it's only become more accentuated since uh, since I was a kid. So I still had that oh, uh, unreasonableness of, hey, I, I should, really, I should be at the top kind of instantly, or why don't you just let me go out and sell houses instantly and not realizing how much stuff I still needed to learn to, to make that happen. I just was willing to do what needed to be done um, while I learn in exchange for the shot of learning and mm-hmm. being able to watch and, and, and participate. But I, I still very much had that eagerness. You know, it reminds <laughs> me, it reminds me of, uh, my, the scene of my cousin Vinny, right. Um, where the character is cross examining this person who claims that he saw his cousin, um, commit this crime. And he says, "Oh, really? How did how did you how did you see it?" He says, "Well, I was at my I was at my kitchen cooking." And I said, "What what did you have? You know, eggs and grits." And he said, "Oh, instant grits." <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> he says, "No self-respecting southerner uses instant grits, right?" <laughs> and uh, you come come to find out that you know this person, in order to cook the grits the way that he was cooking the grits. Uh, it takes 20 minutes, right? <laughs> and, you know, it's just such a funny little scene. A, a lot of people want that instant, that, that instant realization of their dream. They want that instant realization of, hey, look, I want this and I want yeah. it right now, right? But, again, as you build your career, as you, as you build this recipe in your resume, it's really important to take the time and, and to know some of these things. So that that's terrific. So you started selling real estate. Uh, you noticed some of your clients were successful and they, they worked within the finance financial realm. And you really felt the calling to leave property and follow your passion for the market. Is that, is that correct? That's absolutely correct. Okay. So what was your path? Did you, did you decide to take a course and, enroll in the London School of Economics, or was it a different path? Well, my path was unorthodox in general. You know, I'm an only child, so I have to do everything different. That's the nature <laughs> of the beast. <laughs> uh, there's, there's one of a kind of, of everything I do, of course. Um, so, you know, I, I when I left school at 18, I chose not to go to college, which was really the same in England as it is here in terms of deviating from the traditional path and, and social pressures. 
and uh, my parents have given me the freedom to you know, really just do what I wanted to do. And what I wanted to do was work and start to earn money and uh, you know just live in, live in the real world and, and leave academia. Not because I didn't have a desire to learn, but just because I really wanted to uh, taste what was, was out there in, in business. And so that's when I went to, to real estate. Um, the point of inflection you're referring to, where I decide to follow my passion for finance, uh, again, I really, I really sort of took the, the um, you know, self-learning approach and just was <clears throat> absorbing everything I possibly could on the subject. And, and, and um, you know, at, at some stage had found my way online to build this wonderful community, many of which uh, are money managers in America. And I, I come across um, an asset manager who, who was based over here. And uh, I sent him a message on Facebook. Um, you know, many, many discussions uh, happened after that, but that was what started it all. And uh, uh, I think his secretary said, sure, you know, we'll set up a call. And um, that, that, that's kind of the seeds of how uh, that next chapter really got going in, in full glory. Well, that's t- that's really neat. I mean, being able to be groomed or you know, absorb information um, from e- eclectic sources, if you will, right? Not necessarily just one program, uh, really helps round out your understanding and uh, vision in the marketplace, does it not? That that that's right, and um, I think there's. You know, you were talking about instant gratification and that being a feature of, you know, many uh, of today's generation. Another one is, you know, that you don't see so often is the willingness to bet on yourself or to fund yourself. Mm. Um, and, you know, many people want to go get funded by a VC. You know, I've got a great idea. I want to go get it, get it funded. But um, there are some small bets that, you know, taking on yourself can can really pay off instead of going and spending that money at the club or you know, on a car or whatever it might be uh, that, that uh, doesn't have the same payoff. Uh, I really chose to um, go on tour and and meet a lot of these money managers as part of my learning process at this point um, instead of taking a course. You know, I would go and interview managers about how they were managing money, why they were managing it that way, why they had built their approach that way went to some conferences that you know where, where they would all meet and you know uh, you know manage to sniper them off and and you know get one-on-one meetings so mm-hmm. I uh, was was probably punching above my weight in some of the conversations I was in in terms of uh, why they would want to speak to me but uh, that, that ultimately led to a very deep specialized knowledge in this area of alternative investment. Well, that's terrific. That's that's really that's really the right way, I think, uh, to add that. If that hasn't been part of a formal learning uh, format, it certainly should be added. Last night, I was speaking with my daughter. Uh, we were talking of just just having dad daughter time, and we were talking about the importance of learning. And I was sharing with her. Uh, I have friends that are builders. And one time we were looking to purchase a home and 
I had one of the builders come over and, you know, check it out. You know, see, you know, how how is this home being built compared to how you would, you know, build a private home? And one of the things that he shared with me is that it's important that the wood cure, when you're putting down a wood floor, that it cure at room temperature for a number of days before just putting it together out of the box, so to speak, right? So Mm -hmm. together we walked around and met with some of the other people that were putting together the homes. And he, he asked the question, he goes, Hey, you know, you don't looks like you're doing a great job. Um, boy, these, these, these homes are selling like hotcakes. Um, you know, how's the workload? Oh, it's really busy, really busy. Oh, wow. Um, you know, how, how long are you keeping the wood out before you put it down? Oh man, we can only put it, you know, leave it out for, you know, 12 to you know 18 hours and then we got to you know we we've just got to we've got to move as fast as we can and he goes oh great hey look you guys look like you're really busy i don't want to inter- interrupt you any further but ha- have a great day and we walk back he goes don't buy it <laughs> <laughs> don't buy it right and i said well why and he says well he, you know the, the, the wood needs to cure if it's not down at a certain period of time or if it's put down too soon it'll it can warp and so on and so forth and i was sharing that with my my daughter saying you know it, it's important to have a list of financial people or uh, professionals that you can that you can learn from Right. I mean, not all learning is just from a book. You can learn a lot from people around you. Right. Absolutely. And that's kind of what you kind of what you're sharing. You you go into conferences and you're meeting people and you're meeting, uh, uh, you know, professionals in in the field. And and you probably got some answers uh, that would be different than than otherwise would have been uh, quoted in a in a course or a text. That, that, that's right. And, and that's really where it all starts is, is what you're seeking answers. As you said it, you're seeking some kind of truth. You, you, you've got this insatiable curiosity of, you know, why, why are things done this way? And I, I was, I was very much fascinated by the fact that 2008 had been this wealth destroying event in many situations. And there was this group of managers, group of investment styles that had handled it well, many had even profited in that, in that situation. I found that fascinating. And that led to a, a, a need and a demand to, to find some of those answers about how they managed to do that, pull that off. So one of the things that you mentioned, um, you do have a fascination for compounding. And I know that you also like music and, and reading. Um, yeah. Can can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, I I I don't think I had identified it as compounding until <laughs> being deep within the um, deeper within the financial uh, services part of my career of, of compounding it in its name. But the compounding. All, all the all the best things in life compound. You know your relationships. You know the effort you put into yourself in the gym. Um, the effort you put into the people around you. It it all adds up. And you know there there were many many days on the journey to, to where I'm at right now where 
you know, I was compounding. I didn't even know it. And that was sometimes just just putting one foot in front of the other, you know, getting on the train, going into my entry-level job, coming back, doing it again in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how important that compounding was, but, um, you know, that, that started this, this fascination for me of, of uh, you know, the magic that happens when you've been doing compounding for a little bit of, of, of a while. It's not an instant gratification game, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but 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 again, that's really where where the magic happens, where you get this delayed gratification, and and it's so much more potent, and and, and usually because you've also learned so much along the journey, you've, you've become a different person, and um, and and I think that you know that compounding provides a really sober. Um, grounding to your goals that that enable you to keep going and keep you know putting forward at one foot forward in front of the other because um, you you can sort of take comfort in the fact that these efforts do compound even if you go meandering and get lost on the journey you know, through which we inevitably inevitably do through either not being good enough or failing or some challenges and you still end up compounding. Um, and it, it's uh, you know, it, it's a magical thing that you can rely on. It's like a, a law, like a like you can rely on gravity. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a unique that's a that's a unique insight that everything, all the best things in life, are compounded. All right, that that journey. I'm, I'm just thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's something that's that's been very very comforting to me is uh, see, seeing some of the the benefits from from the compounding, and then it really just makes you want to double down on it. And you know, again, whether that's relationships, you know, in, investing in those relationships, uh, I think there's just a lot in in the past where I you know I didn't really realize that was compounding. I was really just you know let's say developing a relationship with someone organically because it felt right <laughs> and, you know, you had fun together or, you, you know, um, a shared, a shared interest. Um, but all of that really builds so much depth in the relationship that you, you sort of sometimes only find out, you know, you know 10 years later when, uh, you know, you find out how much this person cares about you or what a, what a bond you have that you can catch up after not seeing each other for a year and it's uh, maybe just like where you left off. Well, let me ask you this question. Um, You've got a unique way of looking at things. You've got a unique path that you've chosen. Um, Obviously people have poured into your life. Who would you say has been one of the biggest influences on your life? There's there's no question that my parents have been the strongest influence. It's probably a cliche answer because, you know, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of people that must feel that way if they're blessed to have great parents, whether they had both or, or one around. And it's because they, you know, you know, par- parenting done right. I mean, they're around a lot. They're, they're really just, it's just, they're there so much. Uh, if you're lucky to have that. And, and in my case, I was, I'd, parents who loved me and uh, I, w- I was their only child um, so they, they really just 
poured everything uh, in, into me in terms of all of their love, all of their time and, and discipline and experiences that they created. You know, it, it was the three of us uh, doing it together. So they've, they've really had the biggest influence for sure. And, you know, I think that influence has come in the form of help, helping me teach right from wrong, as, you know, implanting a conscience in me of trying to treat others how I would want to be treated, uh, you know, a sense of empathy. Um, I think that, uh, you know, they've, um, you know, and, and they've provided an example of how to live uh, as well, how, how to make decisions. There's so many things to this day that I had no idea um, what a what a map they were providing for me by just them living their lives as I soaked that up, living at home, watching them. <laughs> um, that, that now I feel like is embedded into me and is so useful as I embark on my own parenthood journey. Is there a... As part of that journey, is there anything that you wish you would have known before you got started? On the uh, parenthood journey? On the parenthood journey and on in, in your own particular professional journey? Um, you know, pro- professionally, um, you know, I, I think I, I wish I'd known how sometimes simple is better and that there's a lot of smoke and mirrors in the financial industry where I used to see these big, big name firms, mm-hmm. you know, uh, um, you know, I won't name them, but, uh, you know, just big, you know, the big banks, mm-hmm. um, as mm-hmm. an example that, that, that you would, you would see typically. And I, and I think, wow, what are they doing? And, Big name hedge funds with multi billion dollars in in assets, and I believe there must be some kind of secret source or holy grail that they're operating. And uh, I think as um, time has gone on, I've come to see that to, to really not be uh, the case so much. And sometimes many of the edges that they might have in their business, or that you know their competitive advantages, are, are sometimes much simpler than than the marketing would have you believe. I would agree with um, that. I would agree with that. <laughs> that. That is that is something that I've learned on my journey as well. That uh, sometimes f- from the outside, right, um, you see a curtain and being in the industry over a number of years, you get a chance, you know, you're behind the curtain, right? Um, yeah. Kind of, kind of, or, or another way of looking at it is that, you know, Nordstrom, uh, used to be known for for selling shoes. They were great at selling shoes, right? Uh, but they could they could um, and they were they were fabulous in how they treated customers um, in in you know fitting fitting and selection and everything. But there could be an entire mini series of what happened behind the curtain (laughs) as the salespeople were, you know, trying to, uh, is that my customer or not my customer or so on and so forth. And, and of course, you know, uh, I ended up having friends in that industry. So you get to hear these stories. I'm thinking, my gosh, you could have a terrific, terrific TV show, um, you know, that, that rivals any doctor program. (laughs) 
<laughs> just <laughs> so, what's coming. And then years later, they come out with, a, you know, the TV show The Office, which, uh, you know, probably incorporated quite a few of those things. Um, well, that's great. Listen, um, it, in the time that we have remaining, and I truly appreciate your time, um, can you share a little bit, share a little bit, about what are some of the challenges that you see on the horizon regarding the investment, the investment market, and and uh, in our economy? What what are some of the just some of the things that you see on the horizon? What are some of the things that you're thinking about? Some some of the some of the things um, I, I see are what what the delayed effects will be of ha- having been in a, a low interest rate environment for some time. Um, we we were in a very low, in, a zero interest rate environment for a while after the great financial crisis and people ultimately had no choice but to accept that and adapt to it. And one way that happened, of course, is in people searching for other ways to take more risk, find, find more return or, or more yield. And if it wasn't, we were starting to emerge from that before the coronavirus happened. And then it happened and emergency action was taken. And we found ourselves and do find ourselves in a zero interest rate environment again. And so, you know, one of the things I, I think to be worried about are just the, the delayed consequences of that um, as people still continue to uh, be forced to go in search of maybe taking on more risk than they, they'd like in order to uh, keep up with the rate of inflation, losing their purchasing power and those types of things. So, you know, those, those are, you know, that, that, that's a big one of uh, people's net worth might go up, but, you know, what about their net wealth? Mm-hmm. You know, is it, is it going up at the same rate? How do they protect their purchasing power when, um, you know, when central banks are obviously creating creating so much uh, currency, I think that will be, uh, uh, you know, it's it's a problem. We it's easy to be seduced by you know the, the age we live in, but you don't have to look too far in history to see many failed experiments um, in in that realm mm-hmm. um, of of uh, getting overzealous with currency printing. It's why a lot of financial advisors I meet with will carry uh, some kind of Zimbabwe. Dollar bill, uh, dollar bill, um, the, the currency in Zimbabwe, uh, a legacy note, or carry on their desk just as a reminder of what can happen when monetary policy gets out of control and when inflation gets out of control and unmanageable. And it's a sobering reminder. And there are even some modern day situations like that that you can go observe uh, Cuba, Venezuela, uh, some areas like that where. That's a reminder of what happens if the uh, you know, inflation gets uh, unmanageable. Uh, so that that's something that you know I, I think is a you know worry to be concerned about. We we might be very far away from that uh, or not, and there might be uh, some uh, officials at the Fed and and through government that make the right decisions to avoid that, as some previous officials have done, like Paul Volcker, but. It, it's still this um, this concern that exists out there, and you know a lot of the officials are of course incentivized to keep kicking it the can down to the next generation, raise the debt ceiling, keep kicking the can down to the next generation, and you know it goes on and it goes on because 
you know, they want to try and give the people what they want here and now and keep the party going. You know, it, it reminds me at the beginning of a, a movie and um, it started off a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> right. And most people um, that they, they look at economic challenges through that lens. So whether it's the Zimbabwe dollar or Venezuela or Cuba, right. Uh, or Germany, yeah. right. It's uh well, that was a that was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> you know, pop pop culture pop culture does raise its head to offer historical lessons and value. There you go. Well, listen, I want to thank you for your time. This is has been absolutely terrific, and I know that you're busy uh, on a Friday. Um, we heard the bell close, um, but. Listen, my friend, it is an honor to have you uh, on the show with me today and um, want to have you back again. And we'll get into some deeper, deeper discussions, uh, kind of pull back the curtain on our discussions that we get to have from time to time. But wanted to introduce people to you and what a fabulous, fabulous uh, story that you have and, and just reminding and encouraging people that the best things in life compound and don't be scared to try an alternative path in your learning because you might learn things that are well, well worth knowing. Absolutely. I, I appreciate you having me on, Paul, and uh, it, it's been a pleasure. And uh, one of the things I want to see you keep compounding is how much great stuff you put out on LinkedIn. I, uh, that, that always uh, brightens my week, everything oh. that you share on there. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for saying so. And listen... I want to encourage everyone to always invest in what you love.